open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles, or if you don't have one, have no fear. The text for today's talk is in your bulletin. The reason I do that is so that you don't check your eBay bids when you have your phone. Who knows the phone is such a multitask device. Your Bibles can even be a distraction. You decide to do a word study on something that's not being talked about. Somebody told me, you're being controlling. Yes, I am. I admit it. (laughs) Our text today, we're beginning our series on honoring. We're going to talk about honoring the one who is worthy, who knows the one who's worthy. Our text today, I think, is apropos for coming out of a year that has been rough for many people and yet victorious for others, and then riot and revival for both. Who knows? That's the book of Acts. You have Good and bad all at the same time. It's like, wow, what a year 2022 was. The context of when this book was written, the church was getting the tar beat out of them. Most of the apostles, if not all of them, had been executed, tortured. Not one of them recanted their faith in the resurrection except for John. History says, legend says, they tried to kill him and they failed. Tried to boil him in oil. Imagine being deep fried. He survived that, so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. Put him there, he'll be harmless. So he's there, concerned for the churches, you know, heart for seeing the kingdom of Jesus further, the mission given to him in the Great Commission, obeyed. He's got some reasons to feel disappointed, reasons to feel discouraged, reasons to feel disheartened. And what does he do? He sets his affections on things above. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord downloads this book to him. He actually experiences it and writes down what he saw. We call it the book of Revelation. It's literally, it opens with the title, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's literally the word apocalypse. Apocalypse has come to mean horror movies and all sorts of other things, but it's a word that means revelation, and it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Theologians have fought for years, theorized for years as to the meaning of this book. Somebody said the 30 minutes of silence in heaven that we're going to look forward to is going to give the Bible prophecy teachers time to correct their charts. (laughs) 30 minutes? Is that all it takes? Well, maybe there'll be a long line to the shredder. Who knows? I do know they were wrong about his first appearing. All the experts had it wrong, and we may not have it right regarding his second appearing. So the Lord reveals himself to John in chapter 1 in his awesomeness, and we're not talking your homeboy Jesus, your sweet baby Jesus, your Santa Claus Jesus. We're talking the real Lord Jesus Christ, the lion and the lamb, the Lord of creation the awesome one who opens the seals of God's judgment. Yes, that's your sweet baby Jesus. Culture tries to reinvent him in their own image, and they pay homage to the Bible, but as it gathers dust, they don't think about, you know what, I need to read it and find out what the real Lord Jesus is about. You don't have a true picture of Jesus if you've only read the four Gospels. you got to read at least the first four chapters of Revelation, and don't stop there, just keep on going. It's pretty interesting. The next two chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3, 
are seven personal letters dictated to John by the Lord Jesus Christ to seven different local churches. We went in depth into those letters a few years ago. The series is called Seven. If you're interested in it, you can look it up. Seven letters, and when the Lord writes you a letter, who knows it should be taken seriously. And pretty much every letter ends with, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So when you read it, don't shrug your shoulders and say, well, I'm not in Philadelphia, I'm not in Smyrna or Laodicea. Take it to heart, because what was said to those churches is being said to us. Holy men of God wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, some would categorize those churches into church ages to say we're living in the age of Laodicea, and that's interesting, but I don't know how they can plug the church of Philadelphia into where they plug it into. The church went through some rough seasons. I believe they were seven specific local churches. And only one of those churches, one of those communities still has a Christian presence. Now, they need a revival, seriously, but as I understand, it's the city of Philadelphia. There's a remnant of faithful ones holding to the Christian faith as they understand it. And looking at that letter, the Lord talks to them about leaving an open door to them. And I bet they took that open door, and that's why they're still around. I don't know. Every letter ends with blessings to those that hear and those that overcome. And somehow they overcame the hardships that came their way. Could it be that open door had something to do with the next generation? It's really easy for the early church or for the present-day church to become focused on the needs of its members and lose vision for those that are not yet members or those that are not yet born. So if you serve in children and youth ministry, and especially in our nursery, let's give you a hand. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. If those things ever close, we're dead. (laughs) So thank you for keeping us alive. So chapter four, having processed the letters the Lord gave him, chapter four opens with an open door opening, and he enters the throne room, he sees, beholds, it's revealed, he experiences apocalypse of the throne room of heaven. And there he sees some amazing things. He sees the throne, there's a rainbow around the throne, and verse 6 says, Revelation 4, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, and in back. When you see artwork done of this scene, they kind of do an ethereal, mystical picture because to draw it literally, it's really a strange picture. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now, I see it pretty much perfect parallel between Revelation 4, these few verses here, and what Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel chapter 1. He also saw four living creatures. And his four creatures that he saw had four faces. The face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle, and the face of an ox. 
So here, John sees individual faces, and they're a man, a lion, an eagle, and a calf. What is a calf? A young ox. It's a bovine, right? So could it not be this is the exact same creature? Well, doesn't Ezekiel say they each had four faces? Yes, but if you read Ezekiel's imagery, they are standing together in unity in a circle. Their wings are touching. He said they had four wings. This says they had six. Maybe it looked like four wings when their wings were touching. I don't know about that. But they go in the direction of the face that's facing. And so if you walk completely around each creature, you see all four faces. But standing like John saw, he only saw one face for each. So maybe that was it. Some have preached these faces as a metaphor for victorious Christian living. The face of a man representing humility and identity, knowing who you are. Who knows our identity is under attack. The beauty of mankind has been so marred by sin that man is trying to mess it up. And so we never forget who we are. We are humans. God may use you mightily today and not so much tomorrow. Don't get into an identity crisis. You know you're just a man that he uses, right? And then the ox or the calf is a sacrificial animal, a beast of burden, a picture of sacrifice, of service. And then the eagle is a picture of worship, soaring. Those that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. Focus on worship. And then the face of a lion is a picture of the prophetic or of boldness of the lion has roared. Who, who can but prophesy? One of the Old Testament prophets said. So what are these metaphors? There are four elements of the Christian life. I don't know if that's violating the text, but I think it's great to use in that aspect because sometimes we want to focus on just being human. I'm just human and all about me. And when I find me, that's who I'm going to be. And if you're that kind of Christian, there's only so far you can grow. And then there are people that are focused on service, serving the poor, doing good. This is awesome. But if that's all you do, you're going to get hard-hearted because people are going to burn you. They're going to be disappointed on you. Uh, It just is what it is. Our group that goes to Fort Worth once a month, thank you, Lord. They've had the cops called on them twice. It's just part of the picture. And they just walk in humility. Don't forget who they are. They're not just the oxen of burdens, but they're also humans in need of oversight, who's thankful for the police. And then the lion. Some people just want to be lions. They just want to focus on one of these four aspects and nothing else. And it creates an imbalance in the body of Christ. There are lions out there proclaiming truth, uh, making predictions, and forgetting that they're human, that they could mess up, and not backing down. And to the point of being insulting to those that would dare question them. And to the point of abusing the scripture. Why? They're imbalanced. They're on one side or the other, not on, not on all sides. And so all these things are important in our life. Then the face of an eagle. Some people just want to be worshipers. They just want to worship the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. And the dishes are piled high to the ceiling. They forget that they're also humans. Did you know the song, I love you, Lord? And I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. 
I heard that was written by a woman while she was washing dishes. She was a human and she was an eagle. She was a worshiper and a mother and wife, woman of God. So may the Lord help us. I don't know why I got into all this. It's just there, though. Help us to walk in all the aspects of living life victoriously. Be, be who knows the Lord wants to make us whole. We are complete in Him. But that completeness is showed through our lives as lives of service, lives of humility, lives of boldness, and lives of worship, which we're going to focus on today. So these four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. What in the world is that? It could be the eyes from the four faces. They do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now the word holy means altogether separate. It means set apart. It means pure. But if you want to amplify the word holy, you add another holy. Holy, holy. We do that. How hot is it? It's hot, hot. How cold was it the other day? It was cold. It was so cold, it was cold, cold. Jesus, many times when he would make a proclamation, would open with the words, amen, amen, or your Bible would say, verily, verily, or truly, truly. What I'm about to say, take it seriously. Amen, amen. Isaiah 26, 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That word there for perfect peace is actually shalom twice. I will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on me. Who knows it's good to have shalom, peace, but it's even better to have peaceful peace. It's even better to have shalom, shalom. Well, what if you add another holy? He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Now you're getting to the realm of superlatives. And the Lord's not just that. If you look in the margin of your Bible, I wrote it out in the transcript, John heard them say the word holy nine times. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Some people complain about modern worship and say it's too repetitive. But don't you dare take when the roll is called up yonder out of the hymn book. Talk about repetitive. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I will. And then, of course, you know, if you're a whole hymn person, I mean, if you're all about the old song, sing the whole old song, sing all five verses. Don't horse around and shorten and be like these modern people. Sing the whole hymn. And then at the end, sing that chorus a second time. By the time you've done, you have said when the roll is called up yonder a whole bunch of times. <laughs> Repetition is scriptural. We see it here. One of the Psalms ends with these words after every single verse. His mercy endures forever. Why is it so repetitive? Because his mercy endures forever. It amplifies it, right? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
They say this over and over again. They do not rest day or night saying these words. You know, are they like stuck in a loop? No, every time they look upon God and his majesty, they worship him. And they, they can't help but say the ultimate that can be said of him. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, verse 9, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, oh, here's some other creatures, fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. So here's 24 elders who are crowned who fall down while these four creatures are worshiping like this. And they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So why were we created? To give honor to our Creator. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist. That's the end of chapter 4. Chapter 5 is about this scroll in the hand of the one on the throne and the search for who is worthy to take the scroll and to loose its seals, which are seals of judgment. And there was no one worthy. And then the Lamb of God appears, the one who is worthy to take the scroll. Verse 11 of chapter 5, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, that's four of them, the elders, that's 24 of them. And the number of these angels, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. And thousands of thousands, that's millions. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb, they're worshiping the lamb who's going to take the scroll, who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing, and every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, so this is including us, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power, be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. And those four creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your glorious word. I pray, Lord, we would gain understanding where we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11 in the King James Version says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For his pleasure. Most translations say for his will. Who knows God wills what pleases him, right? We used to sing it, and it goes like this. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. Glory and honor, glory and honor and power.
For thou hast created all things created. Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. I love Scripture put to music. We're going to talk about honor today. Honor is a noun and a verb. As a noun, the word honor means high respect, great esteem, adherence to what is right. It is my honor to serve my country if you're in the military. It means a good reputation to respect someone is to call them your honor. And it refers to integrity. That's honor as a noun. Who knows these things reflect God, right? And as a verb, it means to regard with great respect. You honor someone, you respect them greatly. It means to fulfill an agreement. If you honor your marriage vows, you're fulfilling your agreement to be true to your mate, to keep an obligation. It is an honor for me to honor my contract. You see that? So today we're going to speak on honoring the one who is worthy. Can we say that? The worthy one. Why? Well, thank you for asking. We honor the Lord because he is holy. Holy, 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 Revelation 4, 8. Holy, 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 holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If anyone finds a Bible translation that has all nine holies, let me know about it because I want to buy a copy going to shortchange heaven, going to improve on John. He was there. I mean, come on. Come on. We honor him because he is worthy. You are worthy, O Lord. We just sang it. To receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, your pleasure, your desire, what pleases you, they exist and were created. The word for honor in the Greek is the word time. Can we say time? Pardon me if I mispronounce it. It means to value, to esteem, to honor, to price. It means something that is honorable, is precious. It is time. Who knows the Lord is to be esteemed. He is to be honored. We honor God because of his blessings. We have so many reasons to honor the Lord. Revelation 5.12, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Slain for who? Slain for us. Mike so boldly proclaimed earlier in the service, died for our sins. So he is worthy because of what he's done, not just who he is, he's worthy and he's holy, but because of what he's done. He's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We honor the Lord because of who he is. Blessing and honor, verse 13 of Revelation 5. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. He is the source of eternity. He's a source of creation. He's a redeemer of his people. And he is worthy. He does what he does because of who he is. 
We are who we are before we do what we do. And so God is to be honored, and because of that, he does honorable things. We honor him because it is appropriate. I mean, it's just, if someone does something nice for you, it's appropriate to say thank you, right? You return thanks. Hebrews 2.9 says this about Jesus. He, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every one. So we crown him with our honor because he tasted death for you and me. How? It's an awesome honor to honor the Lord, right? But how do we do this? We're not going to get into the key or the rhythm or the tune or the culture of our worship, but the practical biblical ways we honor the Lord. We honor God by singing about him and singing to him. We do both in the third person and in the second person. Psalm 66, 1 says, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. The word there for honor is sometimes translated glory. It's the word kabod. Can you say kabod? It means splendor, glory, honor, weighty. So sing out the splendor of his name, the glory of his name, the honor of his name, the weightiness of of his name. Maybe you've not thought, thought of God as being heavy, but think back to the hippie days when their minds were amazed by something, they would say, whoa, that's heavy, baby. Right? When somebody carries weight in your life, you honor them. See it? That's honor. We honor the Lord by giving to him, not just pretty songs, not just rhythm and dance and melodies and lyrics, but giving from our life. First Chronicles 16, honor and majesty are before him, strength and gladness are in his place. That word there for honor means magnificence, beauty, glorious, honor, majesty. Who knows the Lord is beautiful? When you consider him and who he is and the gospel itself and all of its ramifications, he is is beautiful. Verse 28 of 1 Chronicles 16, give to the Lord, O O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. So giving to the Lord. Time, resources, who you are, your gifts, and yes, even your weaknesses. He is honored when we recognize he is strong and we are not. He is God and I am not. Lord, I thank you, the hillbilly said that I haven't cussed today or hurt no one, but now I'm fixing to get out of bed and I need your help. (laughs) We honor the Lord by giving from our possessions and from our first fruits. Did you have to go there, preacher? The Bible goes there. And what better 
place to go at the beginning of the year to start the new year off right. We give from our possessions and from our first fruits. When the Lord gives you a new blessing of some sort, you honor him by giving to him from that resource. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Who knows? There's blessing in giving to the Lord. You want to be blessed? There is the key. We honor him by caring for the needy. Yes, caring for the needy is a form of worship. Proverbs 14, 31. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. I've seen a skit at youth camp once. It was actually a video of this teenage boy checking out girls while he's worshiping. Oh, I love you, Lord. Ooh, she's fine. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your creation. Oh, hallelujah. You know, praise you, Lord. And some guy bumps into him, and he wants to get in a fist fight. How dare you? Or some person in need, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Why? He doesn't get it. The Lord views our whole life as a, as a symphony. So while I can sing pretty or give a big offering or whatever, in the context of my life this week, that gets mixed in to our worship. And what does it taste like? What does it smell like to him? Who enjoys chocolate cake? Would you eat chocolate cake if there was just a little bit of garbage in it? Somebody said there's garbage in all of it, but you get the point. Bitter water and sweet water do not flow out of the same fountain, James said. What do you get when you mix salt water with fresh water? Salt water. Somebody said brackish water. Well, that's salty. So if we honor the Lord, we're going to have mercy on those that are in need. We just are. We honor him by our heart's commitment. It's not just our mouths. It's our heart. We are worshipers first. We start out as eagles, and then everything flows from that. Why? Because he is first, right? I so, who appreciates our worship leaders? Our worship leaders are actually lead worshipers. Because they're worshipers first, and then they lead in worship. A worship leader who does not worship is going to become a performer, and church services will become a gig. And the Lord sees that, and is he honored by that? We were created for his pleasure, not our pleasure, not mine, right? So we honor him by our heart's commitment. Look at this verse, Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says this to his people. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. They just worship out of tradition. May as well turn on a tape recorder then, sing, Ah, mighty fortress is our God. Oh, what's for dinner today? 
Ah, bulwark. Their hearts aren't in it. Now, in our culture, we're all about feelings, aren't we? God forbid that somebody hurts our feelings. So there is pleasure in worshiping the Lord, is there not? In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand is pleasure forevermore. Why? The Lord loves to meet with us, and we encounter his presence when we worship him. But when the song is over, how do we live? Shows where our heart really is. Are we pursuing an experience to get a buzz, to get the goosebumps? Or are we pursuing the honor of the Lord regardless of how I feel? Now, this is really hard-hitting. Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32, rebuking the Lord's people. He said, they come and sin in front of you, Ezekiel, as my people, and listen to the words you say, but they do not do them. With their mouth, they speak of love, but their hearts are full of sinful desire. They think of you as nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice, and plays music well. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. The world, secular world, is filled with love songs. People promising the world to their lover, and they're not living up to it. Look at the lifestyle of some of the stars. Talk about repetitious. Baby, 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 baby. I will baby you, my baby. I love you, baby. I give my life for you, baby. Lying like a dog on a hot summer day. Is our worship like that? It's about honoring him. Lord, make us worshipers that honor you with our lives not just on Sunday morning, not just in the culture we have as a congregation, but in our life, Lord. Give us lives that honor you because you are worthy. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor of worshiping you. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing and the open door of encountering your presence. Oh, Lord, help us to worship you more than just on Sunday morning, more than when we're in need, but always in Jesus' name. I just want to end with one other little thought here. Some may not worship because they don't feel worthy. Well, I've been a bad boy. I've been a bad girl. Well, who's worthy anyway, right? We need him. (laughs) Run to him. And worship the Lord. Let's worship God. You know before I do Where my heart can see To find your truth Your mercy is the shade I'm living in You restore my faith
that Pastor Allen so um, ably preached this morning contains one little hidden nugget that's another reason for us to honor the Lamb. Listen to this. We're talking about these millions and millions of creatures and what they're saying as they look up at the Lamb and listen to how they define Him. Worthy is the Lamb and then what do they say? Who was slain? They literally define the lamb as the one who was slain. They give him worship for that. They give him honor for that. And then they go on to cl close out their declaration as they honor the lamb and to the lamb forever and ever. What they're doing in this little passage that as they honor him, is they are remembering the testimony of Jesus, the one who was willing to lay his life down, and Jesus, the lamb who overcame death for each and every one of us. Mighty testimony contained in the praise. He is the one who is worthy to be honored. Amen. Just gonna stay still 
Twenty years ago, I had the honor of ministering for maybe a year at the Juvenile Detention Center here. That's an opportunity every Monday to minister at. And I was a worship leader during that season. And there's a song I sang every week. It's a vineyard song. We were singing it in church at the time as well, called Let My Life Be Like a Love Song. And it was an effort to get them to see the importance of worshiping, but then when the service is over, loving their neighbors. Who knows, jail is rough because of the people you're locked up with. And so verse 1 is, Lord, the love you give, you give so generously. You were my sacrifice. You gave your life for me. That's the lamb slain. Now I want to give, just as I've received, to live a life that shines your love for those in need. And then the chorus was, let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart. And the second verse is, so let justice roll like an endless stream flowing through my life to the poor and weak. Let the things I do and the words I speak Reveal the awesome love you have shown to me. Let my life be like a love song. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We're honored to have Isaiah and Tamara Snodgrass with us. They have moved back to G-Town. We're just so blessed to have you guys with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom. <laughs> Go get him, eagles. Go get him, oxen. Go get him, humans. Go get him, lions and tigers. Yes, amen. God bless you. <laughs>